Or uh, Michael said, because the air quality's been bad, it's um, the, uh, whatchamacallit, um, California fires. I'm going to tell you, he must be right. I mean, I it's, it's been bad. I over my head with the hottest water possible. I'm, and, well, warning you, I'm back on steroid um, asthma inhaler. So, oh. good times. Man, the crew, it is morning, Monday morning, and Kathy, I haven't been on in four years, 573 days. I know. I wonder, are we going to be able to see your smiling face up here on the screen? <laughs> Let's see if we can get get okay. a split screen with the two of us. There you go. You have, you, um, go. you have been a busy boy. He's been we busy with, been some truancy, with some truancy, with some truancy. Well, and I'll tell you, Dr. Clothier is right, going to be right on target this morning talking about COVID, COVID mm, mandates, and COVID yes, schools. Yes, I have yes, been, yes. like you said, in schools all over the state of Texas, and I can tell you that I have seen different mandates for different schools, and then oh. when Joe Biden released what he released, holy moly. Well, and it's different, you know, different mandates for different school districts but then within within the school districts i'm hearing an elementary school has one rules a high school has different set of rules so you've got parents who let's say i'm i'm a mom and i've got a kid in who's a freshman in high school and i've got a kid who's a fifth grader in elementary school i've got conflicting reports on what i do with my kids when they're sick when they've been exposed you know when a teacher's sick uh, you know, it's really, really tough to keep up with everything right now. Well, I'll tell you, if we could just delineate the politics, and here on J.P. Cassie and the crew with Dr. Clothier, God bless we you. do that. We have him sifted for us. Dr. Clothier, good morning. Good morning. How are you today? Well, I'll tell you what, allergies are just making my day Ooh. fun. Hey, you had to take a shower. I'm, I'm so happy. <laughs> Well, I don't take those normally except on Fridays. And so for a Monday oh, shower, God. Dr. Clothier. Oh, come on. We'll remember this, and we'll make sure you skip a Friday later in the year so you're not going <laughs> to Very good. Y'all are you bad. Know, don't Clothier, encourage him, Dr. Clothier. Don't encourage him. <laughs> you know, in all, in all seriousness, up and down the state, Dr. Clothier, I've been noticing COVID regulations are different. And then when Joe Biden came out, that's really put – Texas, anyways, into a bit of a tailspin and what's going to happen next. Tell us mm -hmm. about the science and about what you know and what's going on with COVID. Yeah, I mean, that's the, you know, the really significant challenge here. And I'm trying to get. There you are. There you yeah, are. Okay. <laughs> oh, what happened there? But um, now I've happened here, I guess. So anyway, <laughs> the uh, the challenge, you know, with COVID is that uh, it's a virus and it's a medical condition. And it's potentially fatal. It's very unpredictable. I have a number of patients who have long-term symptoms, whether it's fatigue, shortness of breath, brain fog, wheezing, kidney issues, blood clots. There are a lot of uh, repercussions. And, you know, I know a lot of people want to speak to a low death rate. And the low death rate is very enticing until that hits a family or friend and they're suddenly gone. And you realize that um, a low death rate still means a death rate. But the long-term repercussions are real. And so the, the real challenge I find is that it's a medical syndrome, and it's become so highly politicized that, you know, it, it supercharges people into ideas and thoughts and um, even uh, declared information that's actually not even close to legitimately true. But it's because it's hit the political arena. 
And, you know, I think everybody loves a nice conspiracy or a nice little thought on the side about things or a, a conjecture issue, you know, and to me, for instance, and I know this is a hot button and I may, you know, anger some of the listeners here, uh, but, you know, speaking of like ivermectin, ivermectin has become extremely popular to declare as a legitimate treatment for COVID because of politics. It is, frankly, not helpful in every study showing, you know, evidence that is by double-blinded placebo, and it may be harmful. And in fact, there are, there are, you know, even deaths and kidney failure and other organ failure, liver failure, being caused by ivermectin. And I've had a number of people that call when I, you know, I have patients call in and say they tested positive, they need their ivermectin. And I think, you know, you got that from your neighbor on the internet, information-wise, it's not helpful. And boy, they get angry, you know, because they've already declared their treatment, their syndrome. And, you know, I think you really need to step back and listen to medical information, look at medical information. You don't get sound medical information by Googling COVID treatment. That's just not the way it is. It's going to be the the popular wave of information and not the legitimate. So having said all that, I think that politics should stay out of it. I think, you know, we, we're in a challenging realm because we do have a lot of um, government-mandated health issues. You know, we quarantine people if they have tuberculosis or if they have, you know, uh, aspergillosis or some other, you know, very infectious syndrome, the guy with monkeypox that came into America, you know, we, we quarantine him. The guy a few years ago with Ebola, we, we quarantine those folks. So there are government mandates to protect the population. My personal feeling is that with a shot, with a vaccine, it should never come down to an adult uh, mandate. You know, we do mandate shots, obviously, for schools. So that's kind of a different issue, too, because it's, again, a public health deal. I personally think we shouldn't come down to an adult mandate because we should have enough logical, smart adults to go get the shot with no mandate. And clearly the shot is the most beneficial way to affect this uh, uh, pandemic in a positive way, meaning reduce cases. But we have, you know, a lot of very challenging you know issues that have become extremely politicized where people don't want to get the shot so we just keep having cases the cases are overwhelming the system we're having medical personnel you know sick die quit um take furlough whatever it is because they cannot handle dealing with so much death and and uh so many challenges with the hospital care for instance and i you know i feel like that's that's a very significant challenge. Say, if we had the vast majority of reasonable adults in America go get the shot, we'd never have to talk about any kind of a mandate. And I I think that would be the favorable thing. You know, I think um, I I think it it's just to me a very straightforward medical thing to go get your vaccine limit the destruction of the virus on your body. The virus sits among us, not by political purpose, but by medical issue. And that we then could cut down on infections. 
Go ahead, though. So, yeah, Dr. Clothier, I was going to ask, you know, with the way things are going in public schools right now, um, uh-huh. what, should, what should teachers and students be doing to reduce the risk? You know, one of the things that I've heard, um, I heard one school down in the Houston area went from 50 students to 500 students that tested positive uh, yeah. for COVID-19. And I know that's a concern for the teachers that are back in the classroom. Have we gotten any new word on how to handle this, what we should be doing with it? Well, what I believe should happen is everyone 12 and up should get a vaccine so that, you know, even those teachers, if they're exposed to kids 11 and under who can't be vaccinated, that they at least have a more fighting chance against the virus and hopefully basically don't die or get a a long COVID syndrome, extended syndrome. So that's first. The second is we still have to get real about hygiene, social distancing, and masking. And people hate the idea of a mask. I want to point out what I pointed out last time was that if, you know, if you look at a mask for virus and disease prevention, it's not a brand new idea. And it's not to recirculate your own carbon dioxide in the body. And it's not to restrict your your freedom. It's to restrict spread of the virus by part, particles and droplets. And, you know, if you look back at the risk of infection with surgeries, there's an era where it was determined that a surgeon, a scrub nurse, a scrub tech, an assistant, all in an operating room, they wear masks. The anesthesiologist wears a mask. There's nothing really weird about that. It's to reduce the risk of infection in a surgical field. And, you know, look back. If you want to think about old-style TV shows, MASH, they wore masks as they worked on people. You know, that this is not a new phenomenon, and it's not a new restriction brought on by, you know, anybody. It's, it's an idea that is shown to reduce the spread of viral particles by about 95%. Now, that may not be considered, you know, perfect by any means. There is no perfect in medicine or in air. The air quality is not perfect just because you have a filter in your home, you know, that type of thing. But it sure does reduce that risk of infection. And I, I think what we've got to realize is fighting about masking, fighting about, you know, uh, restrictions. Like if you're sick, you don't go to school that day. Uh, you're going to lose that fight to the virus. Because the virus is real and it's mean and it's it's got to be, you know, we've all got to learn how to contain it. We've also still only known about the virus for nearly 22 months, not quite 22 months. Uh, I wouldn't expect a 22-month-old child to be able to tell me what everything they know about their future and their management of their life and such. I think, you know, you got to realize it's a learning curve and we don't know the future outcome. We all know how many people in the future will have, you know, lung failure, respiratory failure from it, uh, kidney failure, brain issues. It, it's a challenge. So you want to reduce the risk of infection. Now, that may mean some of the school districts are going to have to go virtual again for a while, and people hate that too, I know. The amazing thing to me is we have that technology. And if it stops the spread, you know, if we could – you know, if we may have to do something like shut down for a month, get the infection risk down. And then the other thing is we need to get vaccine to younger people, too. We vaccinate children as young as two months old. Actually, you can vaccinate right after birth with hepatitis B to prevent a deadly 
liver and, uh, you know, devastating infection in the body, we need to get comfortable with the idea that a vaccine is a good way to combat a virus. And I, you know, that has been lost in perspective. And I think it's, it's time for us to refocus on the fact that we need more people to be vaccinated to reduce risk. And I think we've, we've just got to face the reality that we need to get the vaccine approval down to younger people too, so that we can start to limit the amount of spread of the virus. I think Dr. Clothier, one of the things that makes people nervous about the um, the shot is um, the vaccine is because you've got, for example, okay, the shots or you know, the vaccines that you get for your kids when they're little, you know, the MRB or whatever the initials are for that and things of that nature. And those of us who don't think twice, now you still have the anti-vaxxers who don't get their kids vaccinated for anything. Um, and heck, we even had um, somebody from Af- Afghanistan come into the Wisconsin area and, and there's measles again. There you go. Um, yeah. I, I, I wonder if it's, and maybe you can speak to this and if, if we don't have time today, maybe next week. I think the concern, at least that I hear amongst my friends and family who do not want to get the shot yet, who may have other conditions or allergies to to medicine and different things of that nature, is because there isn't enough data. Like you say, you know, we've only, COVID's only been part of our world, it seems like forever, but it hasn't even been two years. It's been about 18 months. So how, how do you know that the vaccine is safe when you haven't had 30, 40, or even 10 years of testing to see if there's long-term effects or impacts or whatever the case may be? Sure. My answer to that would be how many deaths do we need to have before we start to combat an illness? And, you know, if you want 10 years of data, you may not survive that 10 years to get there. And, you know, the virus, the uh, vaccine has been saved since 2003, that's actually a fairly long track record in in modern history. You know, if you want to look at, um, you know, nearly any given product, let's say, for instance, um, uh, the, the features in cars that are uh, keep a car in a lane while driving the radar technology there. You're talking about less time than that in development, and people rush out to buy that new technology to drive a little more safely or to put it in the car for that. And, you know, I know that's kind of a poor analogy when thinking about the car versus health. But, you know, when we're talking about technological advancements, let's say, for instance, in two years, we find out that smartphones do radiate too much and cause, you know, brain tumors. Would we look back and say, well, everybody should have waited 10 years before buying one so that we'd know? And, you know, we don't, we don't tend to do that with anything else. And I think when we have a crisis causing a considerable amount of death and disability, I do think it's very reasonable to look at the track record of the medical science, the medical scientists who work on this. And, you know, I, I don't know how much longer people would wait. I heard a lot of people say, well, they, they don't want to do it until it's FDA approved, even though most of those people seem to hate the FDA. Uh, but, I didn't see a big surge in shots when it got FDA approval. And I don't know if that'll be, you know, 10 years, 14 years, 22 years. If they survive that long, they may get shot by them. It may be a non-issue because we may have so much death and disability in society that we 
we have thinned down the population considerably, and you can't really get the virus because there aren't people around much. And, you know, I, I just think all those arguments, you know, and I hear arguments like, oh, I'm young and healthy, and so I really don't even need to think about getting the shot. And then we have ICUs full of young, healthy people right now who have COVID. And, you know, it just, I think he, at some point, we got to get real about the fact that a virus really doesn't care too much what your politics are, what your age is. Uh, it can just overwhelm the body in a hurry. And I think when we have something that provides a, a fair barrier to that and a fair chance at recovery from that, I feel like that's a very reasonable thing to do. And I don't, I, I honestly don't know what would convince somebody years later uh, versus now in terms of reduction of severity of illness. Look at the numbers of people in the hospital and the ICU that are the vast majority are unvaccinated. Uh, if you want to try your odds there, I guess that's, you know, you can. I just think you also should look at the medical science and not the politics and see what happens. And I do agree that people are, reluctant i i know that happened when polio was around when measles was around when mumps was around you know in terms of higher levels and i know there are people still today that say oh you know vaccine technology is there to hurt us not help us look at the numbers and see that uh there is there really is a legitimate case to be uh, made for it you know if we let's say you were uh that you drive a car there are 120 deaths a day in America from cars. You know, I mentioned that occasionally as a correlation. What if, what if we found out there was a computer virus that infected car computers and one in 50 would blow up when you started beginning, say, tomorrow morning? I don't know how many people would really be anxious to start up their car just knowing that, you know, it's only 2% odds. You know, it, that's pretty low rate. I don't know how how often you want to go out and start your car. And I think, you know, when we start looking at risk in a real way, that this virus, you could walk out of your home today, get it, and be devastated by it. Or you could reduce those odds considerably by getting the vaccine and by following the normal protocols, the, the usual new protocols to reduce the viral spread. And you know, be reasonable about it. Also be in communication with your family. If you end up on a ventilator, they need to know what to do um, with you. If you, you know, if it's a devastating illness, um, they're not going to be able to visit you and, and discuss that with you because of the nature of the viral load and such, the viral risk. So these are real world issues. They're not politics. It's a virus. It's that. You know, and Dr. Clothier, you know, let's go ahead and clarify this because I want to make sure some of our listeners understand you are talking strictly from the science and medical perspective. You are not imploring your own political stance or, or anything of that nature, correct? It should not be viewed politically. This is medical risk. This is a severe, challenging uh, virus. And it, yeah, I think we've got to get realistic about the fact that it is a very sincerely bad virus. And, you know, it's taken all of us in medicine, out of medicine, whatever, 
to come around to that. I still hear people say, you know, there is no virus. Not true. I hear people say, oh, it's just a cold. That's not true. It is, you know, it's a challenging virus. I heard a comment yesterday. I heard somebody said, why, why is everybody so worried about this virus if you have to have a test to know if you have it or not? So, well, you know, if you're hospitalized, short of breath, on a ventilator, you don't necessarily have to have a test to know you're sick. It, it, you know, the issue is there are also other viruses that can mimic some of the symptoms. So by getting a test, you can know whether you're going to potentially kill your family member by carrying it home to them or just make them mildly sick. So that's what testing is about. Don't try to make it all a snarky issue. Realize it's a serious virus. And, you know, there are people devastated, families that have been devastated by it. Let's be compassionate toward, toward others because of medical risk. It's not political. It is medical. Dr. Clovier, real quick, I know you've got patients to run to, but now they're coming out with home tests for COVID. Um, mm -hmm. Have you heard anything from your medical groups or societies talking about the uh, the validity of those home tests? Um, are they 100%? And I know nothing is really 100%, no. but um, you, know, well, you know what I mean. Are they accurate right. enough to be able to live and live by them and their re and their responses i you know i think the answer to that probably is they're accurate enough you know the whole challenge with any testing is that a uh true positive it is a you know you're not going to get a hundred percent and so if though you do a home test and presumably you would do that home test because you're sick or you're exposed if it's positive then you know to um you know quarantine watch for other worsening symptoms and such if it's negative and you have symptoms you should still get a pcr test the more um, reliable and valid deep uh, swab test and you know those can be a false negative they can be a false positive the numbers are low the vast majority are pretty accurate and the, the highest accuracy is if you take the exposed individual or the symptomatic individual and test them at the right time. If you do a test too soon, you know, I think everybody's concern about the home test is let's say you're exposed today and you go do a test tonight and it's negative and you think, oh, I'm fine. But then tomorrow you have fever, chills, cough, but you say, oh, I had a negative test. I'm fine. That's because you tested too soon. So, you know, there are so many nuances in that. But the challenge, I think, is with a home test, you you still have to put medical logic to it. You know, if you're sick, you're sick, and you need to be isolated. And if your test is negative at home, you may need another test, or you may need tests a day later when it actually has the chance to pick up on enough viral uh, particle effect to turn positive. So it's all got to be done right. That's really the bottom line. I think the home test is fine. I think it it just doesn't replace logic. Gotcha. Well, Dr. Collier, thank you so much. I know it's, it is 8 o'clock and the bell has rung. I know you've got patients to see and don't want to keep you from that. Hey, next week, there's been some rumor that some of these chemicals on the test could be carcinogens. Can you look at that, look at that and, and maybe next week we talk about that? I'll mention first, as my closing thought, that you started with there's been a rumor that and so <laughs> be careful where information comes from no i yeah. agree wholeheartedly 
Yeah. That's why I want to dispel the myth. You're going to be my myth dispeller. Mythbuster. <laughs> Mythbuster. Are we stealing that from another show? Well, stay safe, Dr. Clothier. We yeah. appreciate I'm you. I'm away from that copyright infringement. All right. <laughs> Have a great day. Be blessed. Thank you, Dr. Clothier. All right. Well, uh, I'll tell you what, though, Kathy. I mean, Dr. Clothier hits it right on the head, and I would never put him on the spot, but um, he's a conservative. A oh, very no, oh, oh, absolutely. I mean, and we don't, you know, he, he doesn't come on the show to talk about his political beliefs or Christian beliefs. No. Now, we've spoken about that and his love of basketball with him um, because he is he um, he is a devout Christian. He is conservative. He is very, you know, um, very meticulous in his research. Um, he's he's giving advice on our show and, you know, take it or leave it. He's not again. He said he thinks that it needs to be up to the individual and, and doesn't agree with this man that you force people to do something um you know he's giving you advice like he would give you advice if you were a patient in his office so to speak um right so i think yeah keep that keep that in mind um but he does have um updated information and has been able to um you know he's there have been a few myths that i've i've got to say that things that i've done and i'm doing air quotes researched myself and then i've gone and i've been like oh my goodness and then I hear what he says. I go to, you know, the the source that he's gone to, and I'm like, oh, okay. Well, so I see why that is a rumor kind of a thing. And, and again, I, this is – and you and I talk about this, and I know we've got um, – uh, uh, Brett, is Caleb oh, – okay, well, Caleb's on my – this is one of those things that, you know – be smart about yourself and your family and do what's best for you. If somebody doesn't need to shove, you know, a forced opinion or a forced um, action down our throats, we can make up that our minds ourselves. Yep. Nope. I agree. Completely. I trust and, us. Uh, I trust we, the people. <laughs> I do. I trust we, the people as well. And, you know, it, again, I don't, I agree with Dr. Clothier. It's like any other vaccine. I mean, you know, Carter's vaccinated. I'm vaccinated. I was vaccinated as a kid. Well, he vaccinated. You so, mean all the kid, like the measles, mumps, rubella and stuff. Right. Carter's an under, under one-year-old is not vaccinated. Let's not start that rumor, Judge Payton. <laughs> well, not for And he's like, hey, regular right, the regular vaccinations. I guess I didn't even right. think twice about going to get um, Emily and CJ vaccinated when it was time. That You know, the pediatrician said, these are the next shots. We need you here next week. And I'm like, okay. Um, I, I just never thought twice. I just, because I wanted all of the protection in the world for them. Um and didn't have an issue with those vaccines. Right. And is Caleb jumped on with us? I am. Oh, all right, Man. Caleb. <laughs> What's going on? It's time to clear out the vaccination conversation. I didn't I didn't know we talk were talking about the party. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Can you good guys hear me okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You oh, sound great. Too. Well, thank first you. of all, let me tell everybody I'm super excited about our next guest, Caleb Stewart. He uh, was somebody that I got to come across when he was a high school student. Dot, 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 Stuart, it's up to you now, baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you what, I, it, it was definitely a pleasure. I mean, given the circumstances, the circumstances weren't great. But, you know, out of the whole thing, you, uh, you definitely made an impact on my life. And, uh, you know, we formed a friendship. And actually, I, I did the math. And we Believe it or not, we've been friends now for six years. Yeah, it's I believe it's been a while. Yeah, yeah. So I it's good it. to see you. You too. 
so, so yeah talk so talk to us about your journey that led to you becoming an author and okay. now you're on IMBD's under a hundred and ten thousand ranking now so you're moving yeah. up the rankings as well talk right. to us about that I mean how exciting is this it's uh, it's definitely it, it it's got a lot more attention than when I thought. Uh, I only thought like twenty people would buy the book, and that was that would be the end of that. Um, I didn't expect you know all the uh, attention behind it. Um, so I guess the, the journey started. Um, what do I what do I say without giving too much of it away? Um, so yeah, the journey... you're gonna have to give some up. <laughs> I was gonna up. say you've got to, You've got to at least give the first part of the book so people will buy the book. And I do right. need the link for that right. book, by the way. <laughs> so um, my journey actually starts way beyond even the book was even an idea. Um, I had grown up in Mesquite as a as a kid, and all the way up till I was about eight years old, I didn't. I didn't have a father figure in my life. And so my, my, my dad left when I was a kid. And so my mom was a single mom and uh, she only had one source of income. However, she was a drug addict. And mm. so that, in, that income only goes so far. And so oftentimes uh, she would feed her addiction and uh, neglect my brother and I, mm. and we would have to be forced to take care of ourselves. So, um, it wasn't until I was eight um, that my aunt and uncle got involved. And, you know, we went to live with them um, under, I guess, in hopes that my mom would um, get help and recover and then eventually would regain custody. However, she never did and actually lost her battle with drug addiction. Mm. And um, so in the book, I, I started writing the book as actually a therapeutic thing. Um, I didn't actually intend for it to be a book. Uh, I just wanted to get everything out. Um, and so when I was writing the book um, or writing what, what it was that I was originally writing, I said, you know what, even though I struggled with all this, there's somebody out there who, who, need, who can relate to this. And so that's when it, I, I said, you know what, let's make it into a book. And um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of like how the idea came about. Um, so did you experience substance abuse yourself? I, I dabbled around in high school. I smoked a little bit of pot. I, I never really did a whole bunch of, of drugs because I've seen where that would take you, you know. Um, however, I didn't know that alcohol takes you down the same route. And so, um, yeah, I started drinking when I was 16 years old. And I was going into bars, opening bar tabs at uh, 17, 18 years old. Yeah. Did you have Did you have wow. a fake ID, or how did How did you get in? And I know. No. So. I mean, how did you get into <laughs> bars? And I mean, I, I'm sitting here thinking, I, you know, heck, I'm since I'm over, well over 40. Even if I buy a bottle right. of wine at the grocery store, they card me. Right. You know. Right. No. So I had I I was very determined, I guess, to 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 drink. Um, you know, I would, what I do is back then, I guess they just recently changed the smoking age to uh, 21 now, I think. And so, but back then it was, it was 18. And so what I would do is I would go to these bars and I'd stand out on the patio. And then usually I'd wait till somebody intoxicated rolled out of the bar and, you know, would ask me either for a cigarette or a lighter. <clears throat> and so I, I would, I would say, yeah, sure. Take it. Well, then when they'd come out, I would, I'd give them like a $20 bill and I'd say, hey, look, you mind going and grabbing me a beer? Keep the change. 
They're like, heck yeah, I'm making $15 off of it. And so what I would do is when they'd bring it back, I'd make sure that the waitress saw me with it and that the bartender saw me with it because they would think I got wow. it from each other. But they wouldn't talk to each other. Yeah. And that's so a lot of work for a beer. It did its job. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but, wow. So, <clears throat> so your book, does it take us through the journey that you had to go through as a, yes. as a smaller kid and then the journey that you chose as a high school student and then the journey now where you have come out on the other side of that? Yes, it does. It actually, so most books that I've read as far as addiction goes, they don't really touch upon like the actual like effects. Like you, you hear it almost talked about in a third person perspective. Um, however, when I wrote it, I wanted to write it to where you, the reader feel everything that I'm feeling. Um, and so what I'm, what I did was actually the book is compiled of three different parts of my life that make up the story. Um, it, it, it's compiled of the past traumatic experiences that I've had, but it's also compiled up of times where I've questioned my own life. Um, and uh, then obviously the, the alcohol plays into effect. So actually, I actually started writing the book at one of my darkest points in my life. And I continuously, as my life continued to progress, the book takes a direction towards progression. So you actually get to see the book go from a dark place over time to, to a brighter place. Well, I'll tell you, and, and it's not just going to be a book, right? I mean, we're oh, talking no, a movie now, a movie. right? Yeah, we're making a movie out of it, yeah. Yeah, how cool is that? I mean, get on the big screen and really be able to relate to people right. across the board. So how is that coming along? What's that process look like? Oh, it, well, I tell you, when people see movies, they don't really know how uh, how much work goes into it. Uh, I didn't know how much work went into it. Um, the first thing that I had to do was, you know, find somebody who'd help me write a script. Um, then once you once you write the script, you got to find people that want to produce the script. And then they take that, they sell it to the studios. The studios then do the pre-production, which is the casting, the everything. Um, and then they go from there. Um, so yeah, it, it's a, it's a long process. Now you're going to get me a chair, right? Where I can sit and watch this being made. <laughs> He's going to have be producer. JP's got a walk on part. <laughs> I know. We'll get you on the red carpet, man. That's awesome. <laughs> well, how, how do people, Caleb, how do people get, um, a, a, get a copy of your book? How do they follow you? Um, you know, are you out there on social media as an author? How do we get in touch I with am. you? So, uh, you, right now you can buy the book one of two ways. You can go to Amazon and, um, you, you just type in what happens next, Caleb Stewart on Amazon, and it'll pop up. We have the ebook available on Amazon right now. I just I just sent the uh, the book off to the editor, so I should expect it back within three to four weeks. And then I'll upload the um, the final manuscript, and then paperback will come out on uh, Amazon. Uh, right now, you can also pre-order the book at actually at Barnes and Noble. Uh, you can either go into any of their stores and pre-order it. Or you can uh, pre-order it online at Barnes and Noble. As far as social media goes, I'm very active on um, Instagram. Very active. Mm -hmm. um, 
I am. Yeah, I, I've I've actually amount amassed like twelve thousand people that follow me on Instagram. So good deal. Uh, it, it grows every day. Yeah. So uh, and Caleb, also tell them about your book tour that you're getting oh, started. Oh yeah. Here. Yes. So Barnes and Noble and I, we're we're doing a book tour. We're doing uh, we're going to start in Texas. Uh, just some of the ones out of the top of my head right now. We go Frisco, Plano, Dallas. Houston, San Antonio, Austin, Lubbock, El Paso, um, and there's a few others. But we're, we're, we're going to start. We're going to see how Texas goes. Um, so we're going to start that at the end of November and go all the way up until the week before Christmas because uh, I know that, you know, retailing around the holidays is very big. And then um, hopefully next spring we're, we're going to hit, uh, depending on how it goes, we'll try to do 50 states, 150 different cities. Wow. Man, I'm just so proud of you, brother. That's awesome. You know, we've been following each other for six years, and I remember you walking to the dumpster with empty bottles of booze and throwing that stuff away. And wow. I think some of them had booze in them. It did. Um, you know, I, I know that uh, I know that I've talked to Kathy, and we want to get you on this pink cloud as well. Yes. Yeah, it's a show and all so, about recovery and um, inspiring and helping other people. Um, find happiness in recovery and you know after after either after tragedy or after you know even if there's been you know generational um, addiction uh, you know how, how, how do you survive and thrive in that environment right right well I always tell people you know people ask me all the time um, people who are suffering from from addiction you know how do you overcome it and I think that's the that's the million dollar question that everybody wants to know yes and I mean, honestly, you, you, the, the, honestly, the, the, the thing is, is you have to know you have an issue and you have to want to change it. Um, if you so don't true. do either of those things, then you're going to still be stuck in a cycle. And, and, Amen. Yeah. We hear that over and over on um, this pink cloud and these stories and success stories of recovery. As a matter of fact, this pink cloud has um, Brian Cuban, who I'm sure you know of him. He's got another book coming out and he's, um, a recovering addict, um, cocaine and alcohol, um, and an eating disorder. And, you know, just, just talks about the changes you make and you've got to stick with it. But everybody will tell you on that show, the first step is saying, I, I want help. Somebody else can't force you to get that help. Right. I mean, it, it, it's true though. I mean, it's, you know, and I tell you a lot of, I, I mean, I, I just think, Especially now in today's society, I, I would encourage parents to be a whole lot more mindful of what their kids are up to, because um, all it takes is, you know, your kids to be exposed to a child that, you know, doesn't that has parents that don't care if they get wasted at home or whatever, and then that that that's how I got started. Did your um, mom? Did your mom know you were you were using at home? Oh no! So my my mom actually died uh, when I was in fifth grade. Oh, I'm and, so sorry. But my aunt, mm. oh, it's, it's, it's okay. You, you know, it's, uh, the book has made me learn to move past it. So I, but I appreciate the condolences. I, um, know my aunt and JP will tell you, uh, she did not like that at all. And she didn't even know it. So, um, you know, I tried to hide it, but eventually I was coming home drunk or intoxicated and uh, they eventually found out, and it was just spiraling out of control, yeah. 
Mm. Well, I'll tell you what, we look forward to uh, bringing you back on yeah. and seeing where you're at and what's going on. And, um, you know, you've always got my support, brother, so keep trucking. Yeah, well, I good for you, Caleb. Thank you, thank you. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on the show. Kathy, JP, thank you. And yeah. uh, you and everybody else listening, I want you guys to have a great rest of y'all's day and good morning. Thank All right, you, you so too, much. Caleb. Bless we'll you, Caleb. You All right. All right. Thank bye you, bye. brother. Bye-bye. Wow. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Love, love to hear stories like that. And, you know, another that's another life you were able to touch, JP. And, you know, it's just, it's um, for somebody who has a mom, I mean, his mom gosh i didn't realize fifth grade and she died of addiction and so he's broken that cycle so he doesn't pass that on to the next generation you know i just um read a mutual friend of ours on facebook posted yesterday jp that um their 20 year old next door neighbor um or neighbor i don't know next door but neighbor um died of a xanax overdose over the weekend and so it's it's yeah. not just alcohol and underage drinking and it's not just marijuana and it's the fentanyl that gets cut in these things it's um prescription drugs that kids are stealing out of you know somebody's uh medicine cabinet um you know xanax well, is uh, is big out there yeah and then selling it or they're creating yeah. um what's xanax and then it's got it's cut with this fentanyl and you take one pill and it kills you. Um, it, it's it's heartbreaking when you just read. It's it's every day. There's there's another tragedy. And I think with this pandemic, um, well, and we've talked about this. I know with this pandemic, um, drug abuse and alcohol abuse um, has gone up for all age groups, including those underage kids. Yep. Oh yeah. It's scary. It's just I mean, scary. It's yeah. Well, what's cool is to see somebody as young as Caleb getting out there and making a difference, and I love that. And he turned his journaling into a book, and yeah. now it's going to be yeah. a movie, and that's way super cool as well. <clears throat> so get out there. What happens next by Caleb Stewart? Uh, spread the news, help a local guy uh, get it out there. And he is. He's all over the state of Texas at Barnes & Noble love it. doing book signings, and he's got a California trip. Uh, ahead of him as well so when if he does a local um because jp i know you and he are still friends and um, reach out to him and let him know if he does a local a, a barnes and noble signing somewhere here local in north texas you and i can go out there we'll grab charles gura and we'll do a remote show yeah. promoting one barnes of his book signings uh, let's hey, be let's and rock and roll let's rock and roll yeah that would be great to do a remote out there promoting that i just i think um and especially the fact that he's young and um he can be a voice to a younger group you know and um, one of the members of the crew said you know she's afraid this might happen to her son and we're absolutely praying that this doesn't and we're praying that rehab works works for her son um you know i think somebody like caleb where okay i'm well over 50 so I, I don't have the impact and influence on younger people like i did when i was a teacher back in my 20s um for some reason when you get further removed it's kind of like rah, rah, rah. It, it's like the peanuts voice the teacher's voice wah, 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 wah. that's what kids hear but when somebody younger right. like caleb says something to somebody who's 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, he's going to have more of an impact. Yep. Oh, I agree. Yeah. And that's why I say, you know, we got to get the word out on someone like a Caleb who's 
a young guy who other young people will listen to. Unlike you and I, we've hit that ancient range. Um, <laughs> well, you're still, you know, you're still a young, not fifty yet. Well, it's coming. <laughs> The train is on the track, Catherine Ann. You, you can see that track. light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> yeah. But I did, I did want to oh, plug yeah, that, that for another, what, seven months I get to plug that you are not quite yet 50. Right. But I'm almost there. Oh. <laughs> um, so talking about almost there, um, how about the State Fair of Texas? Woohoo! Yeah, we got to break out with a little bit of fun for the last nine minutes. It is eleven days, one hour, yes. thirty-eight minutes. You're you're on the 15. you're on the page with the countdown, 12, aren't you? I love 11, that. <laughs> Ten, nine. Yes, I am. You know I am. Um, I love going there. Also, so if you had submitted some things to be judged, guess what? The winners are in. I love so, it. <clears throat> of course, if you look at the home page. This blows me away. It has Kathy's favorite ride on there. And it looks like all these people being thrown off of these little chairs on this crazy swing. I love the swing ride. I love that. Of course, what did I tell you? My husband, every year we go to the fair, he's like, I'm going to go ahead and videotape so when your swing detaches and goes flying, I can capture that and show your children. I tried to talk her out of it. Yeah, I'm just, I'm telling you, I, I'm like Michael. I don't think I can watch you. I'd be like, you wouldn't get on that. I'm going to turn It's my so back. fun. It's so fun. You get to see everything because yeah, just... you're up high and you're swinging and it's like that feeling. And that's why I, that and then the pirate ship's my other favorite ride because I love rides where it feels like your stomach drops out of the bottom of your body. I just, for, when it rises up and then it drops, that's like, I think that's so much fun. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just go watch the picture. I'm watching people fly off. I know they are. You're like, I'll, I'll be over no with the fried butter. Thanks, kid. <laughs> All right. And Mark Brewer just stole my thunder. Love, Uh-oh. Mark. Hello, yeah, Mark. He, said, he says, remember, if you are a veteran, you basically can get your entire family in the in the in uh, in that day for free. And that's where I was going for today to highlight at the State Fair. First Responders Day. Um, it is a red card that they're giving out. Oh, and Chevrolet is a big part of that. That um, is huge, awesome. Yeah, huge deep discounts when you present a valid badge or ID, and then don't forget also the Veterans Day celebration at the State Fair will celebrate veterans as well, and uh, you just have to show a valid ID for that as well. And so, um, just wanted to say a big thank you to the State Fair of Texas and Chevrolet, even though they are not a sponsor for us. Uh, but they are uh, out there. We would love them to be first responders. <laughs> Absolutely, so super. And that and that's awesome. I ha- I had no idea about that. Day. I think. I see. I. And, and as well, it should be. I See, I love that. I love anytime you give folks like that credit, especially, you know, so many of us, um, you know, we pinged each other on um, uh, you and I and Coach Quigley were sending stuff about uh, the 20th um, commemoration, the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And I think especially with some of those images being so seared in our brains, especially those of us who were old enough when 9-11 happened to see and now that we know more here 20 years later, I saw several different documentaries over the weekend that 
stories I never knew about. And every single story has the same thing. People running away in terror and confusion. confusion. And JP, those first responders, God bless them. Just running right into it. Yeah. God bless them. Oh, mm, just rips your heart out. So anytime we can pay tribute to them and help them out. Amen. Amen. So let's go ahead and come on back to the State Fair of Texas. It's on Instagram is where they posted it. And it's on their face or on their uh, website. But this is what it says. Save every day for all you do. The State Fair of Texas and at Chevrolet are proud to offer all active military, retired military, veterans, and first responders a discount every day of the fair. Save $5 off on weekdays, Monday through Friday, and $7 off on weekends, Saturday and Sunday, when you present a valid badge or ID. And you can learn more at bigtech.com. <clears throat> pardon me, uh, forward slash discount. So Love it. that's kind of my highlight for the State Fair of Texas today. Um, I thought that, that that was pretty important. And we get that word out and let everybody know. I think it's fantastic. You know, hey, get on out there and do that. Now, what else is happening at the State Fair this year? And super excited about that is dun, 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 the Livestock Show is back. Oh, the, yeah, so, that's right. Yeah, well... Last yeah. year we missed out altogether on the state fair. Was it was like you could drive in? What what ended up happening last food. year? You could you could drive you and get package. the food or something. Well, you, you paid like twenty bucks, right? And you got like three corn dogs and a this and a that. There was a it was a package, and basically it was being able to get the state fair of Texas food. Right. Is what okay. It was. Gotcha. Um, and but the kids had missed out on. The uh, State Fair of Texas right. Agriculture FFA uh, competition, where all the 4-H's and FFA yep. and families come in to compete with the uh, their their uh, market animals, and so those smiling faces are back out on the stage. Love uh, they that. Have, uh, Love they've that. got the lamb, yeah, the lamb competition, goat competition. They've got horse exhibitors out there. Well, um, they have heifers, got, and they I mean, I remember um, Ryan Massey, um, who, you know, we just talked about on Friday. His his mother had just passed away. Um, back when he was at Plano East, when, when I was his teacher, he had, and I know you did the same with Katerina, he had an award-winning heifer, and he got big money, um, you know, or good money off of, off of that win. So there's kids who work all year, like, you know, Katerina did, your daughter, um, they're the culmination of, you know, a, a whole entire year's work goes into preparing for the state fair of texas with your with your farm animal yes and and the, the state fair is one of the first big tournaments that come um, rolling around oh, so okay really it's, it's like the state fair of texas and then you'll have uh, the north texas fair up in denton then you'll have the central texas fair which is generally in waco um and then you come around to fort worth which, by the way, I am super excited about. I will be taking my dad, and we will be going to the Fort Worth Stock Show this year. Love um, it. They serve Love the, it. Uh, they serve these amazing cinnamon rolls. Uh, and what's funny is it's- How did I miss that I there? Oh, it's because it's back in the livestock show. Oh. And these cinnamon rolls are what they used to make at the Fresno County Fair. And they are truly the most amazing cinnamon rolls you will ever eat. Oh, I did and did not so, know. That's kind of like the yeah, Fletcher's the, corny dog of the State Fair of Texas. <laughs> very, very much so. You you laugh, but I'm being serious. I and, love it. Um, 
when I was a kid, I would get those cinnamon rolls. And then when I was walking through the Fort Worth stock show with Katarina's animals, um, I was like, oh my God, I know that smell. And I walked over <laughs> and again, it's back with the cows and the sheep and the goats. Um, but I walked back over there and I went, okay. And I'm like, I said, are you guys from the Fresno County Fair? And they're like, this is the exact same cinnamon roll. Uh, That's where I love we're from. It. I'm like, oh, and it really is the best. Like, you, I can't find a better cinnamon roll in my 49 years. And oh, I gosh, have that's just making my, my mouth water. Oh, wait, have you tried? Remember that place we talked about, Cineholic? Yeah, have you tried that no yet? One. So it's yeah, not it's even marginal. as good as this. Marginal. Wow. That's that, that place is marginal. What, have, you had, have you had the French toast cinnamon roll? Yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. Oh, because their cinnamon rolls are good, except it's one of them I can eat like over a four day period because they're ginormous. ginormous. Well, and they're also overly sweet. But I'm telling you, Kathy, you got to go to the Fort Worth Stock Show. Love it. Get out there by the by the live. Well, we've been we we had taken the kids. um, That's when they got their first um, cowboy hats and cowboy shirts. We took the kids out there, um, you know, and always have always loved the Fort Worth Stock Show radio rodeo, but. I had no idea about the cinnamon rolls. Yeah, way super good. Okay, good to know. Good Good to know. know. All (laughs) right. So, again, get out there if you're a veteran, a first responder, show your identification, uh, get a discount every day of the State Fair of Texas. Want to thank the State Fair and Chevrolet uh, for recognizing our first responders and our veterans for all that they do. And our hats off to all the kids and all the ag teachers and parents oh, that will absolutely. go through the grueling, grueling uh, stock show known work. as the State Fair. Yeah, State God Fair bless them. Yeah, so go out and go out and give them a give them a shout out. Um, you know, give them a thumbs up uh, while you're in between food stops. You know, um, and JP, they they have the Big Tex. Um, 2021 Choice Awards. The, the savory winner right. is the deep fried seafood gumbo balls. I think I would love that. That just sounds good. And then um, the best tasting sweet one is the armadillo, and it kind of looks like cinnamon, cream cheese, something or other, and it's in the shape of an mm. armadillo. And then mo- most creative. So, wow, oh, this is, I don't know if this has ever happened, but this is a double winner. Most creative is. Again, the deep-fried seafood gumbo ball. So, are you up for trying that this year? Oh, heck yeah. You know me. Rock and roll. I'm with you. Yep. Iron iron stomach. <laughs> Here we go. That, that is your day that you are not on JP's Kitchen. Let That's the record correct. show. <laughs> we'll let the record show. All right. Well, we've got 11 days. One hour. Woo! 28 minutes. 12. 11. 10. Yippee! 9. And we're getting... And I can hear the music in my headset, so that means it is time <laughs> for us to say goodbye to another day of Jeff Kathy and the crew. Don't forget to get over to YouTube um, and join our oh, YouTube yes. page. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, we want to have 100 by 100 with 100 shows, and we're going to start launching from that uh, platform. So we definitely want you to get over to our YouTube page and join us over there. And uh so we can have all the good fun and, and take Fred, care of business. And Fred wants to know what day is the crew going? Which Sunday? We, You and I need to discuss. And then uh, Wednesday we'll announce which Sunday is going to be the crew day at the fair. So we can all meet up yep. there and grab our Fletcher's Corny Dogs for breakfast and a fried margarita. I don't know. I, I don't even know what fun alcohol thing is out there this year. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? No. One year it was one, the the last year that you and I saw each other out there. What was it like a Kool Aid sangria with a pickle? 
Oh, yes, 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 yes. The pickle was good. I didn't drink the drink. I took a sip and I just ate the pickle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> buddy. But yeah, let's plan it out. It'll be Carter's first state fair of Texas. I love it. So oh, I love it. I'm excited about that as well. All love right. it. Everybody have a blessed uh, day. See you down the road. Sounds good. Stay tuned for Heart and Soul of Texas Women. We're going to be talking religious liberty from 10 to 11 today. Oh, Michelle, go Casey. Got to give her credit where credit is due. Did they win? They must have. She's happy.